Hey friends, this is Allie Simmons and Maggie Law, and we are hosts of the Happy Mom Podcast. We are relatable, joyful, and real working moms. This podcast was created because we wanted a sunny spot to uplift and support each other. It's just like a phone call with your best friend that you haven't caught up with in a few months. Join us as we discuss momming, wifing, parenting, working, and everything in between with a smile on our face and a cup of coffee in our hands. So let's get into it and find our happy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Happy Mom Podcast. It's Allie and Maggie, and we're pretty excited. Today is actually our first return guest, right, Maggie? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, if you guys have not listened to her first episode, I would definitely encourage you guys to do that because she is so amazing, and we only really touched on kind of half of her life and who she is. So we thought, why not have her back and talk a little bit more about her other side that she likes to do. So you guys were so excited to have Emily Max back from the Organized Home Mindset. Thanks for coming back, Emily. Thank you. It's uh, Max uh, Speed. Speed. Okay. It is so funny because it like, first of all, that's like an action, like last name. Like I feel like (laughs) you need to hang out with Keanu Reeves, but yes. Okay. So Speed is your married name. Yes. And I know that because for some reason, Neil talks about, like he says, he talks about like the old days and talks about your brother, but everybody's like first and last name. So I should know that. We all grew up, like for some reason, like my husband makes fun of me for this. Um, It's like when I talk about somebody that like, isn't like regularly in our life all the time, you always say Emily Max, Emily Max. You don't just say Emily. Like it's just, it's almost like compressed into one name. Yes. Especially like in your phone. I mean, I have friends that have been married like 10, 15 years. I've never changed their names in my phone. No, definitely not. Okay, good. I thought it was just me. I didn't know if it was an an organized trait of me. I I blame the movie Speed on my fear of elevators. Seeing the people (laughs) get stuck in elevators in that movie Speed. Like if you were to say, do you have a phobia? And I have an elevator phobia. And I sincerely hate riding the elevator by myself. Like, I don't know why. Like, I feel like if there's somebody else there, like, you would at least have companionship if you were going to die in an elevator. I don't know why. But, like, even to this day, if I go to UAB, which is, like, the hospital for any of my appointments, I always try to wait to where I'm not riding the elevator by myself. I know that's crazy. Do you just pretend to, like, text in the corner and then, like, yeah, I ride just, somebody's like, heels? I don't want to associate elevators with me. And I, will, and I will take the stairs if I can find them. Doesn't matter. I'll take nine flights of stairs. I hate elevators. So, yeah, there's no max number. Like, the fear <laughs> is not maxed out at, like, six floors. No. No. <laughs> um, okay, Emily, refresh everybody, you know, about your old career, kind of what you did. Because um, you had a, ve- a very interesting job. The only person that I've ever, um, even though I haven't met you in real life, that has had this job. So, tell us a little bit about what you, what you used to do. Yeah, so uh, I worked for the examiner's office uh, as the senior forensic investigator. I was there for 14 years, um, and I was the supervisor of investigations, um, also assisted during autopsies, you know, went on scenes, mainly investigating, like, unnatural deaths. So you think of homicides, suicides, accidents, you know, uh, unfortunately, children as well uh, did did that for, you know, over a decade. And, um, my specialty was skeletal remains. So anything, um, buried bodies, surface scatter recovery, uh, you know, anything with skeletal work I did for district. Um, That's heavy. Yeah, I did that. 
It, it can be. Yeah, it can be. I loved the job when I did it though. I mean, like truly when I got into the field, I was so excited for so long, but I think things changed for me as I became a mom. Um, and yeah. And after I was there for so long, I feel like, um, it really started to weigh a little heavier on me than I really anticipated. Sure. And I think the first time we talked, did you mention too, like you went and got your master's? Oh yeah. I have in forensic science. That's amazing. Okay. I have a question. When you watch these shows on TV, like all the, you know, the CSIs and stuff, are they, is it like completely bogus or is it actually pretty realistic? It depends on what show it is. Um, honestly, I can't watch them. I, I say I bet you probably like you live that life. It's like yeah. I have zero interest. My husband's a doctor. He has zero interest in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Doctor, any doctor show, he literally would. You'd have to pay him like a lot of money to sit down and watch. He's no interest. Um, I just think because that's when it's your real life. It's like this is so dumb. Yeah, when I first got into the field, I loved the show Bones because my background's forensic anthropology. So I was all about that. And then even that got to be too, like, you know what? I see this all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like, I don't want this job to also be my source of entertainment because it's heavy during the day. You don't want your entertainment to match your vibe all day long. Usually people want their like shows or entertainment to be their way to like unwind and relax. And for me, it stimulated the same part of my brain that was active all day long. Sure. Um, and so I just kind of stopped watching any of those true crime shows. Um, like I also never, like, I don't like scary movies. I don't like sci-fi anything. Yeah, I would yeah. watch rom-coms all day and I want to laugh. That's pretty much what I want when it's like any kind of show stand up comedians, you know, that kind of stuff. But scary movies, even everybody was huge into Walking Dead when I was like yeah. smack dad in the middle of my career. And they all want to talk about, oh, did you watch The Walking Dead? Did you watch? And I'm like, dude, why would I watch The Walking Dead? I'm like in the autopsy suite with a body by myself. Yeah. I don't need that thought to be in my head as a possibility. No. Mm -mm. That's like Maggie in an elevator. That's just not happening. <laughs> So, okay. So how did it, how did you like start to think like, Hey, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not making me happy. What was your light bulb moment? Emma? Yeah. Okay. So there was a, like, it was kind of a series of events. Like I had my first son, um, you know, I had already worked there for nine, 10 years when I had our first who's five now, almost like five and a half. And I went back to work afterwards and things were great. Um, after I had my second, it was, he was a COVID baby. So we were, you know, the type of job where you really like th things don't stop for this field, right? If anything, they amplify. And so while when I was pregnant towards the end of my pregnancy, I was working from home as the supervisor and not going on calls. Um, and I hadn't been actively going on calls for a while, but then after, um, after I had Fisher, my, my second, a lot of things changed, you know, I mean, I had been home with my oldest, um, because schools closed, then we were on maternity leave. Um, and then going back into work, it was like, okay, we need you to go back on call. We need, um, you know, we need you more on scene. Cause I mean, the case level just skyrocketed. 
um, where the extra support was needed uh, for me to go back into the call rotation. But I had a couple of moments where, you know, I just, a couple of things happened. The first thing was I realized that I, I didn't like who I was. You know, I think I was starting to become this angry, irritable person and not like this happy, like I wasn't being the mom I wanted to be. And I realized I was taking work home with me mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to like vent it. You know, I've always been like a, an exerciser and like, you know, doing endurance races and things like that. So I would always exercise off any kind of frustration. And then I got to the point where I'm like into chronic over-exercising and I still wasn't letting go of that stress and anxiety. And it turned me into having an anxiety disorder basically. Mm. Yeah. And there, um, there was a couple of instances that happened that really like, I think was my moment of, I've got to make a change. You know, I was back on call with a five month old at home that Mm. I was still nursing Mm. and, you know, sleeping in the nursery because I was still waking up in the middle of the night, you know, to feed him. And I was on call and I got called at like two or three in the morning and it was a homicide and I had to leave the house and go to the scene. So I wake the baby up and do a dream feed, put him back down, change into my uniform, go to the homicide scene. I think I was there for two or three hours, come home, pick him back up, do another feed, put him down. I have my laptop. So now I'm writing my report. As soon as I write my report, I'm going to bed. And then I think I had probably closed my eyes for maybe 20 minutes before my alarm goes off. And at that moment I was like, wow, I mean, I can't, I can't live like this. Yeah. I was a miserable human. <laughs> well, cause I would think you're on call. Most of Unfortunately, those kind of incidents happen at night, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And, wow. and my baby wasn't sleeping. And, you know, then I wasn't sleeping for multiple reasons. And it just got to be too much. And then my anxiety was through the roof. You know, what's interesting is, and I mean, I, I feel like I have a little anxiety, and, and I actually have an amazing therapist that I talk to about it. But I've been very open about sometimes being anxious with things. And in like the past two months, I've had like five or six girlfriends reach out to me and be like, who do you go and talk to? Mm-hmm. I think for some reason, just in our age group of working and having kids, it's a super common thing. And sometimes because we're the mom, we have to be in charge of it all and act mm-hmm. like we're always together. We never like sit down and let ourselves feel it. And then all of a sudden it comes crashing down. Right. So it sounds like that happened to you. I mean, even just listening to it, I'm like, there's, there's no freaking way. Like I yeah. was just and, crying. Well, and I mean, it got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks and, um, you know, and I had some postpartum, postpartum anxiety also. Um, but I, I really think it was a combination. I don't think it was just the baby. I don't think it was just the job. I think it was like all of the elements combined and it was just my environment too. You know, you're surrounded by this constantly and you just have to be able to flip a switch like, oh, I'm the, you know, senior investigator and we just dealt with a homicide of a child and then flip that switch. I'm home. I'm mom. I had a great day. <laughs> right. How, you know, what are we going to do? Mickey Mouse pancakes. Right. Exactly. I just, I wasn't able to keep up with that anymore. Oof. Yeah. And then remind us of when, so 
did you start doing the yoga certification while you were still in this current job or did you walk away from the job, do the yoga certification and then start your business, your organizing business? So I did, um, there are, I have a 500 hour yoga teacher certification and, um, I started with a 200 hour training when I was pregnant with Fisher. And so I was still working at the Emmy's office, but when I found out I was pregnant, I was, I was having, um, I was stressed out, like kind of feeling the anxiety, but I, you know, I wasn't doing anything for anxiety other than my exercise. And I felt like, okay, I feel like when this second child comes into the world that if I don't try to figure out what I can do to be a more at peace mother, then I'm going to have an even bigger problem when the baby comes into the world. Because I felt like I was going to have so much stress that it was going to affect the baby. And so I reached out to uh, my yoga teacher who did private training and signed up for a private yoga teacher training. Most teacher trainings that I found are big groups. You know, it's like you sign up for this yoga teacher training and there's going to be 30 students and you all do it together. Mine was a little bit different where it was one-on-one, like two or three-on-one where she had very, very small class, but it was great because I really had the ability to really learn yoga, learn how to teach it. You know, like I feel like in a big class you might get lost, but if it's just like you and one other person. I mean, that's like, they're probably like laying hands on you. Like, okay, do this. Like your back needs to be like this. And then that helps you be a better teacher. Did you, did you practice yoga? I'm sorry. Did you, yeah. Did you practice yoga a lot before? I did. So I started going to a couple of local yoga studios. And when I got incredibly stressed out at work, I would leave at lunchtime and say, I have an appointment. And I would go to a yoga class at lunchtime. And then- I would go back to work after that. I, sometimes I was like, why did I go back to work? I was so peaceful. <laughs> um, but I did. I, I would try to find time to go to local classes as often as I could. Um, and then I really just wanted to do more and more. And so when I found my yoga teacher, it was just, it was the perfect timing in my life. And she all, you know, there's this saying out there, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like this, like, you know, the stars aligning when it was the right time for her to come in my life. And so I did the 200 hour uh, yoga teacher training, got my certification and then felt like at that moment that I was just on the cusp of, wait a second, I really want my life to be different, but I feel like I still have to learn more about myself. And that's really, I felt like the biggest gain from teacher training was I learned about more of who I am than just how to do yoga poses. You know, I really explored deep down, like, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to feel? And later, I think it was a year later, I reached out to her and was like, I want to do more. Can I do another certification? And um, you add 300 additional hours of training and then you're a 500 hour yoga teacher. So I went back and did um, another teacher training with her and I started it when I was towards the end of my career there. After I had Fisher, I was, you know, past the initial postpartum phase. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that training really gave me, 
I think it gave me more of my own like power, my own self-confidence to encourage me to just say, you know what, this, that's not who I want to be. And if I want to be more at peace, this is clearly the path I need to go. And so during that period, I quit my job. That's amazing. I, um, I, I probably touched on this a little bit before, but like, I pretty much did just like a regular checkup last year and found that like my cortisol levels are really high in the morning. And so ever since January, I've woken up like 30 minutes early and by no means do I know what I'm doing, but just I've, I've YouTubed like a, a morning yoga and it's like 10 minutes and I've just memorized it and done it every morning. And it, I mean, it, it's, I feel better physically, especially like with, I don't know if your back ever hurts Maggie, but like my back started to hurt me. It's just the fun of getting old. Right. But, um, the, the amazing thing that I didn't think I would get out of yoga is you really are just like breathing and, and just, you have time to think like the kids aren't up, nothing's up. I have nothing. I don't even like, I haven't had my phone, nothing. And you really just think, okay, what, who do I want to be today? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. I want to be a calm mom. Up, Allie? Um, I, I wake up at five fifty. Um, but it, I mean, and again, I'm not by no means am I like probably even doing the poses, right. But it's just the act of like mm-hmm. doing the motions and having that time. And again, honestly, that's been one of the biggest things that's helped with my anxiety too. Yeah. I did, um, during my, uh, final teacher training, I created a workshop and I actually haven't given the workshop to anybody yet, but I, I know I I should totally give it to you. Um, so I created a workshop for, um, yoga for anxiety and I created it for myself truly. Um, and some of the things that I discovered was really life-changing. Some of the tools and the tips that I gained just by really focusing on well, how can you better utilize yoga is already great for anxiety, but there are more specific things, specific poses and exercises that you can do that can really help with the anxiousness. And, um, a couple of things, like I'll give you the first one as somebody that's had anxiety attacks, especially when I was actively working in forensics, um, you know, an anxiety attack really is only 90 seconds of a chemical response in your body. So after that 90 seconds is passed, if that anxiety attack continues, it's because the person is basically deciding to continue on with holding on to those emotions. If you can do something for 90 seconds, when you feel that anxiety attack come on, then what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to focus on something else for 90 seconds until that body reaction has started to slow down. So 90 seconds, if you could, you know, go and stand and down. If you can't get into a yoga pose, give somebody a hug for 90 seconds. That's close to you. You know, um, there's another, like I would, you know, get into a plank and just hold a plank for 90 seconds or sit here and tap your sternum for 90 seconds. Ooh, I don't know if I'd rather have anxiety attack or do a plank for 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're focusing on how horrible. Yes. Yeah. So this thing right here that I'm doing on my chest. So you take, don't do your thumb, but you take your, your first three fingers. You can use your pinky if you want. And you basically are tapping your sternum. And what this is doing is it's stimulating your thymus. So it's called a thymus thump or, you know, whatever you call it. So what this basically does is 
stimulating part of your body that is calming. And so for somebody that has anxiety, when you really feel that level rise up, if you just focus on this tap and focus on your breathing while you're doing it. So if you're starting to have a problem, you can do that start off with. That's a great little tip. Yeah. Wow. Do you still practice yoga every day? I don't do it every day. I, I should, um, but I try to do it as regular as possible. Uh, it's, I miss my studio. I miss my teacher. Um, but I have, I have my asanas memorized. I have my entire, you know, program, you know, in order in my brain. So when I get on my mat, I just go right into it. But sometimes it depends on how I feel that day. And sometimes I just want to lay on my back and do spinal twists or do forward folds or, you know, I kind of pick and choose if I don't have a lot of time, what's going to make me feel really good right now. Um, so in that way, I mean, I am practicing, but I'm not doing like an entire 90 minute yoga practice. What is your favorite yoga pose? Um, probably downward dog or, um, rag doll, like a forward fold with the arms going over like this. Yes. And you just allow that your neck to relax, your upper back to relax. It's really a good back release. I, um, I like pigeon, obviously pigeons like uncomfortable, but that's probably like, if you ask me like, what's my favorite yoga pose, Allie, do you have a favorite pose? Um, I like, I know this sounds so juvenile, happy baby pose. I like a happy baby pose. I feel so good at the end. You're like, okay, life is good. Oh man. See, and happy baby's never been my favorite, Yeah, but it's my, my hips. It bothers my hips. <laughs> oh, that's that. Okay. So, cause I, I was curious how you got your, um, your certification. I was picturing very like eat, pray, love. I wasn't sure how, how it all went down, but is it a local studio? I'm guessing, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Which one do you mind sharing? No, not at all. It's fish tree. She's not, um, she's not really open and active. Like she used to be, she does more private, um, retreats and private, uh, trainings. We'll she's have to like incredible. circle back on that anxiety. I wonder, I bet there's a lot of people that would love that. Yeah. To do that. That would be so cool. Tell us just like, maybe like top three health benefits of yoga. Oh goodness. Well, you know, there are several, I think the, the benefit of the mind is the first one. Yeah. Um, when you are able to connect your breath to the body poses, it really can just bring a little bit more peace and really like stimulate um, or calm the nerves that, you know, keep everybody so tense all the time. I think that being the first one for me, just anxiety, the mental health benefits are incredible. Obviously there are physical benefits if you are consistent with it. Um, having, uh, you know, the mobility is incredible. Um, and I was, doing yoga every single day and going to the studio and doing 90 minute practices consistently ability was incredible versus when I was doing like CrossFit style training and my hamstrings are super tight. And, you know, I feel like just incorporating that into your daily life for the mobility purposes, especially with 
as we age and Mm -hmm. the, the balancing that you get from it, um, especially with the elderly falling so much and not having a stable gait, I think for all ages, it's so beneficial. Oh yeah. Well, and I love, so you, you did this yoga practice and I love that you tied this into the ohm, like the organized home mindset. I think it's beautiful how you like intertwine the two of them, right? Yeah. And, I love and, that. I didn't realize that. that isn't was that cool? Like ohm. Yeah. That's ohm. cool. And it could, because even talking about like anxiety and stuff, like, I, and you and I talked about this when you came to my house and Neil thinks it's funny, but <laughs> I swear when I go, when I'm in a room and it's cluttered, my mind feels cluttered. I feel overwhelmed and I literally just want to like throw my hands up and, and run away. Yeah, like, like having a place for everything is, is insane. It's so mental. Well, there, it really is. And this is why I tied my business into my yoga practice. And that's honestly, I was, that's how I thought of the OM and thought of the organized home mindset, because it really is a mindset to be able to, um, organize your home. Not everybody it's, it's a learned behavior. Not everybody is taught how to organize, you know, um, but the, when you walk into a room and it's cluttered, the reason that you end up having stress and anxiety is because you're visually overstimulated. Your mind can't focus on a task at hand because now your vision is so scattered, right? Which in turn makes your brain more scattered. Mm-hmm. And yoga, you know, the yoga poses or the asanas, there are you know, energy channels in your body, they're called meridians. And the yoga poses are meant to allow that energy to flow through your body freely, right? These poses are to open up your energy channels. And it's the same concept with yoga for your house. Mm -hmm. So just like you have areas of tension in your body and the yoga starts to loosen it up and say your lower back or your neck or your legs, whatever the case may be, the clutter in your home is causing the energy flow in your home to become stagnant. Mm -hmm. And so now you don't have a good flow of energy. You're overstimulated. You're stressed. You become overwhelmed because when one thing gets out of control, it piles up, right? So the whole concept of yoga is clearing your energy paths. I want to do the same thing in your house. So if your house is cluttered, um, you don't have a good flow of energy. So let's declutter it make everything nice, visually, you know, lovely, but also where everything has a place and things that are unnecessary, let them go. Mm -hmm. Because the second you start to do that, you feel that good energy come back into your home and it's almost like it's lighter. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing as when you finish your yoga practice, you feel lighter when you declutter your house and you walk into a room, it feels lighter. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. I mean, like I keep my like, office at my at my and like my personal just my office clean because I'm the exact same way I can't um I can't concentrate if there's like a, a lot of like stuff around me so I think that that's a huge connection and you know think about you know kids that grow up with parents that like are cluttered and hoarders I mean they can't wait to like get out of the house or get to school because it's like it's like more calming you know what I mean right Right. Well, it's their escape. Just like, you know, when as adults, if somebody has a really cluttered or dirty home, you know, they never want to be home. They're constantly going out. They're constantly filling their days with activities. So they stay busy, 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 and they're never home to address 
what their home life is when in reality, I mean, the way that you should have your home is that's your place of peace. That's your place of sanctuary. And if you don't feel peace in your home, let's fix that because that should be your sacred space. Right. Absolutely. How do you, okay. We had talked a little bit before we recorded and this just kind of like made me think of it. How do you, how do you encourage people to sometimes get rid of things? I mean, I am like throw it all away or not throw it all away, but give it all away. I'm sure not everybody is that willing though. No, you know, okay. So I have been called brutal before. No. Yes. Several times. You're, you're easy. You're just like, it's like, it's, I love that they called you. Let me do my job. You need that. So I've been called brutal before and, you know, it depends on my clients. A lot of the clients, I tell them ahead of time, listen, if you aren't ready to part with things, if you're not ready to purge, you are genuinely not ready for me to come to your house because then it's going to be a struggle and a fight the entire time we're trying to work and clear this space. Um, So one, I got to get you ready to purge, but then I just really will tell them like, why are we holding on to this? And I learned this with my mom. This was like my favorite thing with my mom when I did her closet is I started doing these rapid fire things like keep or toss, keep or toss. I say toss all the time, but it's really donate, right? So I'll say keep or toss. And like, it got to the point where I just wanted to throw everything away. And so she, she would be like, keep, 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 keep. Cause she knew I was like going really fast. But if I hold something up and there's like this hesitation, it's because she's trying to come up with an excuse of why she should keep it. You know, she doesn't wear it. She doesn't love it, but so-and-so gave it to me or, you know, and I'm not really talking about my mom and talking about everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. you hold on to something because it's sentimental because you feel obligation because it was a gift or, you know, whatever the case may be, I may wear it when, I'm like, I have a good memory from where you wore it. Like I have like things like that. Like I wore this dress on blank day and it's not an in-style dress anymore, but I just have a hard time like getting rid of it because it brings back those sentimental memories. How do you, like, what would you do? It's funny. I just had, I had this conversation with a client recently where it was, it was, you know, I wore this on our first date and, you know, and my question was, well, do you have a photograph of it? Because the way things go now, especially with a lot of my clients, if they have like, they wore this beautiful dress to this event, it was photographed a lot, large family photos, they're in frames around your house. You're not going to wear that dress all the time because you've already been photographed in it a ton. And if you do, it's not going to, you know what I mean? So I basically have the rule of, have you been photographed in it? You know, do you have your memories documented if not, go put it on. If it doesn't fit, it's gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I put it the on. Hard thing, yeah. The hard thing too is like, you know, girls our age too, is you have either good memories or it's like, well, now that I had kids or whatever, I want to get back to those genes. And I mean, okay. we all know like the chances of that happening. Well, that's <laughs> <Anytime laughs> soon. I think the, the body struggle and, you know, body image issues could be a whole nother episode. Oh, But I think that is something that is always present where there's clothes in your closet that are either too small or too big. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if you're postpartum, that's different, you know, if you're postpartum, then, you know, we certainly don't want to get rid of clothes that, you know, you really could get into after you're past the postpartum phase. Right. But if you're holding on to clothes 
that are really like this was the size I was in in high school. Oh, these I'm talking like college jeans. Yes. Yeah, like no, I mean, right. you need to fit the body that you have and forget about the one you had because right. it's not who you are anymore. And there are so many clothes that are going to make you feel so good about yourself when you put mm -hmm. them on. And it's not those jeans. Right. It's Amen. not the Rock and Republic jeans I got on eBay. Right. And and you just like I have to be able to kind of talk it out. You know, my Hollister bell bottoms that I thought I was so cute. <laughs> they served a time and a place though, right? That's how I looked at it. Yeah. I agree with you, Emily. I, I am a huge shopper and spender on clothes. I, I will admit it. Um, I love shopping. And I think I like the way clothes make me feel. Like when you find something that makes you feel good. Um, and so I'm constantly purging my closet because my my style has changed over time. But as I get older, I am honing and refining my style. If I were to walk you in my closet now, most of my shirts have a ruffle on them. You know, I, I love ruffles. I love like a little neck like this. And it's like, I'm finally like, buying clothes that are maybe maybe a little bit nicer that are what I love versus well this shirt's cute and it's on sale you know and it's right. only $20 so I should get it because it's on sale because right. most of the time when I do a purge the clothes I end up throwing out are the ones that I didn't love but I'm like well it was a good deal and so the older I get the less I, I buy things like that I'm like okay do I love this does this fit the the style that I want to portray like right yeah. Yeah. And just because it's on sale doesn't mean you need it in your closet. Yeah. I've always heard that, like, ask yourself, like, if this was full price, would you buy it? Mm -hmm. And if it's, if you wouldn't buy it full price, then you probably need to put it back. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um, I want you to touch real quick. Cause I love what you do with the items that like we donate. I mean, I think, I think it's amazing oh, yeah. what you do. Thank you. Do tell, do tell. Okay. So, um, usually in a week's time, I do have a trailer. I have a trailer that I take to, you know, clients' homes with me and any donation items I haul away in the trailer. And I actually do sort through them. So I take the items home um, and I'm talking more clothes, handbags, shoes, things like that. Any big items, I usually find the homes for those pretty quickly, whether it's like bicycles or strollers or whatever the case may be, but clothing items, I bring home, I have an Airstream trailer at my house and I um, use the trailer for sorting right now. And so I sort through the donation items and I separate them based on what they are and what organizations they would be most appropriate for. Oh, so wow. that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I just don't want to do, you know, let me take all this stuff away from your house and then just go drop it on the doorstep of goodwill mm -hmm. and not actually be mindful about who could really use these. And I'm not knocking goodwill, you know, because no, they, no, no, no. But you know, there are other organizations, especially locally that I feel like could really benefit from this stuff a lot more than just a goodwill drop. So for example, there's a local organization here called the Alfred Washburn Center. Um, and they do a lot of outfitting for homeless. Uh, they have like a nice place mm -hmm. where they can come and shower and clean up and pick and choose from the clothes. And so they're more ca casual clothes. You know, they need a lot of t-shirts, jeans, socks, mm -hmm. um, men and women. 
Uh, and so when I sort and I see items like that, I'll put them in a pile for the Alfred Washburn Center. Um, there is another organization uh, called the Secret Place Home. Um, this is uh, housing for victims of sex trafficking and they are young women. And so I have been setting aside clothing to donate to them. Um, and I hope to be able to donate those uh, sometime soon. But, you know, it's it's kind of organization that confidentiality is huge. So I just am setting these items aside until they're able to um, come and get them. But I know that they'll be really beneficial for these young women to be able to have things that when, you know, they they usually don't have anything when they show up at these mm -hmm. facilities. So I really try to separate and donate like that. I mean, there's also Gulf Coast Kids House. I know they, they take newer items, um, but there's a lot of great local organizations. So I try to find out about as many as I can. So when I'm sorting, I can kind of have that in the back of my mind. Of where it's this just so, it's so awesome. And it does help too, like going through things of knowing because sometimes, like you said, I can drop it off at Goodwill and I never know what happens or what comes from it. And so it's just another thing to think about of like, I know that you purposefully send these out for who needs them best. So even when I go through, like, am I going to use this or not? It's just that feeling of, I know she's going to bring this to somebody that could use it more than I could. Yeah. And it just helps make that decision easier, you know? Well, and then like, there's even like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are moms and they know uh, a lot of great church friends in town and they have... Um, new moms, young moms that really don't have anything. So I'll sometimes have a good item, like a really great stroller and I'll put it on Facebook and say, Hey, does anybody have a deserving family that could use this? Um, and I almost always have a great response of where that can go. So that's awesome. Yay. Okay. Well, we've taken so much of your time. I'm so glad that you came back for the second part. Cause I feel like it really almost like ties in the whole story from the, from our first podcast and yeah. I think it's amazing I think like hearing your story and that you did this one you are so brave to take this leap but right. you can you did that post of like your picture a year ago and your uniform and where you are now and you can like see it on your face and I felt, uh, so I showed that to one of my clients um yesterday and she was like you look like an like a totally different person yeah, yeah. insane um, and if anybody, especially in Pensacola, like, please look her up. She's amazing. She's literally changed my life. I can't wait. We have an amazing project coming soon. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, and of course I will let everybody see, um, but you, you're wonderful. So tell everybody again, where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, the organized home mindset or at the organized home mindset. Um, you could also, you know, find my email, the organized home mindset at gmail.com or go to my website, the organized home mindset.com. And we will, um, maybe, maybe you'll be our uh, first time to be a three P guest too. Oh, I would love it. That would be so fun. All right. Well, you have a great Friday. Thank you so much. Emily. Thanks, Sam. Thank you too.